Hello, everyone out there. It's good to be with you again. I'm going to get right into the word that we have for today. Last week, if you've been listening along in the podcast, I preached a sermon uh, called Faith Over Senses. And basically, just want to go right into today's word that we need to be a people of faith. We need to be a people that live uh, as Second Corinthians chapter five verse seven says uh, that we walk by faith and not by sight. That we are a people that are spiritual and not sensual. Okay, the world relies on their senses, and as Christians, we have those same senses. Uh, the five senses, and even the unknown uh, culmination of those senses in, in the place of the gut, where we make decisions, we, we perceive things, and then we make a decision based on what we've perceived. And uh, as Christians, we can do that to an extent, but there must be a higher level of uh, seeing that it's beyond the natural sight. There's a, an understanding of this world that is greater than your perceptions. And uh, the Word of God says a scripture in the book of Psalm, chapter 34, verse 8, Taste and see that the Lord is good. It says in Psalm 119, in 103 and 105, how sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. Verse 105 says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. So these Psalms tell us that there is a taste, there is a seeing, there is vision uh, of God, uh, from God. And clearly, these verses do not imply that you go to the store right now while everyone is fighting over food, and you go to the section of the store that sells books, and you, you buy a big old King James Bible, and you laugh at everyone online with their food, because you've got your word, and you take it home, and you tear out a page, and you eat it, and you say, chumps, uh, honey nut Cheerios ain't got nothing on this page right here. Uh, this is better than honey. Or you take out a page, and you use it like a burrito. You tear it up in little pieces, and you eat it like a salad. It doesn't mean you don't need a flashlight when the power goes off because you have a lithium-ion-powered, leather-bound LED Bible that is light to your path. Obviously, I'm, I'm being silly here, but I'm painting a picture that there is something greater than anything this world can offer. There's something that the Word describes of itself and of God that is greater than the natural, than the natural need uh, for food. When he's tasting, he's not tasting, he's not licking that Bible, but he is tasting something in his spirit writing those words. He has a vision that is not light in the natural, but there is a light 
in the spiritual. The word of God gives him light, the writer here, in the spiritual world. Okay, so it's um, greater than this world. There is another life outside of this life. And if this sounds weird to you right now, then the whole Bible is weird. I was just meditating on God's Word and spending some time in prayer, and I began to think about how we try to normalize God, and we try to normalize the things of God, and we try to normalize God's Word. We try to make it fit into society, and we make it fit with our culture, and we have, we have to make God fit. We got to make God cool. We got to make people see Jesus as being cool. And we got to make the church as being as hip and it's relevant and it's fun and it's happy. And none of those things are necessarily wrong, but God is so much greater than those natural things. He is supernatural. He is bigger. He is above. He is so far beyond our understanding that we could never describe him with human words. And there are unseen benefits the word describes there in those Psalms. God is a God of the unseen, and he manifested himself through Jesus, God in the unseen, through Jesus into the scene. And we can read in the Old Testament that God in the unseen manifested his power and himself into this earth many times. And there's we don't have time for that today. I have a lot that I'd like to get into. Uh, but you could go through your word, you can go through your Old Testament and see God manifesting himself from the unseen into the scene all throughout the Old Testament before Christ. And finally, Jesus is on the scene in the flesh. So God is a God of the unseen, and there are unseen benefits in knowing God and in knowing his word. And this unseen God gives us unseen benefits from his super natural place, from the supernatural kingdom. It basically means simply not natural, beyond the natural, outside the natural parameters of time and space. He is not of this world, and neither, technically, are we to be as Christians. Jesus said, be in the world, but not of the world. So we are supernatural too. I preached on this back in January of this year. Uh, if you'd like, you can go back and listen to those sermons. Uh, and it was about us being supernatural humans. Just like God, who had an earthly presence of himself through Jesus and a heavenly presence on the throne as the Father, in the same way, we sit at the right hand on the throne in Christ, the right hand of God, 
but we also live on this earth in a body continuing the work of Christ. So we are supernatural. God is supernatural, which means we must live supernaturally and we must look to our supernatural God for supernatural works. Now, I don't want you to get obsessed with doing weird things. That's not what I mean, but I mean that there is a God who was before everything you see, and I'll get into that in a little bit, but before I do, I want to just read here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, you can read in in, uh, in your own time uh, the whole chapter, but just some quick points in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and I'm just going to read 13 through 14, 17, and 19 through 20, just some bits and pieces there, and you can go ahead and read that whole chapter on your own, but I just want to make a quick point from here that it says, you say food was made for the stomach and stomach for food, and this is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. Because it says, it tells us a principle, our bodies were made for the Lord. So one day you won't need a stomach and you won't need food. That means that you are something that is not human. You are in a human body, but you yourself aren't human. You are a supernatural image of God living in a human body. And that is precisely what Jesus was. Now, he was a person, but I want to say what he was for a moment, because he was a person, but he also was the image of God supernaturally conceived with, by the power of the Holy Spirit with Mary to bring about a human being carrying the full image of God on the earth. And so Jesus walked supernaturally because he was supernatural, even though he was in a human body. And so even though we need food and we have a stomach, one day we won't need those things because we are greater than this earth. We are from outside this earth. We are really the Bible. This is this is not weird, guys out there listening. Don't cut me off. I'm going to say something, but this is the word. We are aliens. Now you're not an alien like you see on on in the movies and on Discovery Channel. They're trying to figure out these weird gray creatures, but alien in the sense that you are on this earth, but you're this is not your home. This is not where you're going to live forever. You are in a temporary existence, in a temporary body, breathing oxygen and eating food that one day you won't need. You won't need that body. You won't need this earth. You won't need that food. And you won't need those eyes. And you won't need human touch. You won't need those human senses. Your faith inside your spirit uh, will be fully manifested 
it won't be faith anymore. It'll be fulfilled. You're not going to have to hope, but you're going to know. Okay, one day you're going to see Christ face to face, uh, spirit to spirit, and this body will be no longer needed. And then Christ gives us a new body, gives us a new earth, gives us a new heaven. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for that day. We pray that it comes soon. Lord, come quickly as they used to pray and even as the songs used to be sung, the hymns, oh, Lord Jesus, come quickly, come soon. And so in 1 Corinthians 6, it says that our bodies were made for the Lord. It says that God will raise our bodies from the dead by his power, just as he raised our Lord Jesus uh, from the dead. Uh, it says, but the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Again, this is out of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, that the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. It also goes on to say that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So although we have natural human intellect and senses, we are spirits, and not only, I don't want to say you're not human, when I say you're alien, you are on this earth for a time, but you are spirit. You are not only flesh and bones. The world without Christ lives only in their flesh and bones, so they must satisfy their flesh and bones only. They have to satisfy their senses because that's all they know. And ultimately, they can't imagine anything other than what they can understand in their intellect, that they can see with their eyes, and that they can know with their reasoning. But the Word of God tells us to taste and see, to take God's Word and shine it like a light. So that means that there is a deeper place than just the mind processing and deciding what it likes and doesn't like, what it needs, what it's going to do, what it wants, etc. So it, it even could be said, we could sum this up and say, as I transition into this part two, that the spiritual is more real than the world you and I can see. The unseen spiritual world, uh, including your own spirit, is eternal. What you can't see is what's real. And what I, ironically, what we can see is going to vanish, disappear like a passing wind, like a scroll rolling up. It makes me think about how Jesus, he called the religious leaders while he was on the earth, he called them blind. Now, this is interesting because uh, even blind leading the blind, it's interesting because they could clearly see him 
with their natural eyes. You and I, and, I, and you can go back and listen to part one of this, you and I do not have the benefit of seeing Jesus face to face and touching his wounds as Thomas demanded. But we believe because there's something deeper within us, our spirit, the deep calling to deep, our spirit within us like a baby in a womb of a mother that is linked spirit to spirit. They are one for a time and then they're birthed into the earth and they go and live as their own person, but they, the uh, science uh, has said that the baby, even separated from inside the womb, will recognize the mother's voice. And even that is in our Bible that Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And that voice is not a human voice. It's a spirit voice. God speaking to our spirit. When we hear the word of God, when we heard somebody, somebody preach the gospel, our spirit leap within us, as John the Baptist is described as leaping within his mother when Jesus, uh, inside Mary's womb, was in his presence. And our spirit leaps within us. We heard it in our spirit, not in our human ears. We didn't see Jesus in the natural, but we saw the truth, and it set us free, as the Word says. We heard it and there was life. We drank of his blood. It's a, it's a graphic picture, but we drank of his blood, and we ate of his flesh, and we inherited eternal life. We became one with Christ. But the religious leaders, they could clearly see him, human to human, flesh to flesh. They witnessed miracles, and others who were once crippled, they showed themselves to these religious leaders, and after being healed, they just dismissed them. They witnessed Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead after being in the grave for four days. In fact, when they talked of killing Jesus, they also said they'd have to kill Lazarus too because John chapter 12 tells us that they were jealous of Lazarus causing Jews to believe and follow Jesus. So let's get this straight. They saw Lazarus, who was raised from the dead with their own natural eyes and couldn't deny the miracle, but they were so spiritually, now this is key, they were so spiritually blind, even though they were humanly not blind, they were so spiritually blind that they would kill not only Jesus, who performed the miracle, but Lazarus, the innocent man who was a product of the miracle, just because, and this is what spiritual blindness does, just because it pulled people away from their power or their influence. That's incredible. That's the incredible dark powers of spiritual blindness. And we could go down that road. I don't want to get into all that right now, but we know just quickly that Satan blinds the people. God uses it for, for his purpose. He used it 
to put Jesus on the cross, as we've talked about several times recently, and I've, I have many times on these podcasts, um, but it's not God, but God uses it. Uh, but meanwhile, where I want to go is this. Meanwhile, we have another story about blindness. It says that these religious were blind leading the blind, spiritually blind. And yet, there's an actual, real blind man, a man who cannot see in our Bible. You can find him in Mark 10, Matthew chapter 20, Luke chapter 18. Um, but I'm just going to read from the Mark 10 passage, Mark 10, starting in verse 46. We read about this guy, uh, Bartimaeus. We call him Blind Bartimaeus. He should be called Seeing Bart, uh, Bartimaeus because Jesus heals him. It says in verse 46 that then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, Tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up and came to Jesus. What do you want? me to do for you, Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man, said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. When I read that, I wonder, what was he thinking. Was he aware spiritually of who Jesus was? This is such a significant story because it shows us that Jesus is working in the unseen. It shows us that Jesus uh, reaches he, he reaches past the natural, the seen, the known, the reason, your thinking, logic, understanding, science, etc. All these words that, we, that are fancy and big and, 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 we, and we use to, uh, to reason away God. But Jesus bypasses that even... Uh, the, the religious were operating in that sensual place inside them that was led by envies and jealousies. It was self. It was, it, Jesus is going to mess up my kingdom. Jesus is going to kick over my sandcastle. And it's that sensual, it's that self-thinking it's the me thinking, it's the I thinking, it's 
my world, it's uh, achieve in this world and become somebody in this world and get up to a, to a certain stature and standard and keep up with the Joneses, etc. Jesus bypasses through all of that and goes spirit to spirit. And this man, he knew who Jesus was. I wonder what was he thinking. Let's assume for a moment that he didn't know in his spirit. Let's assume that it wasn't just something jumping in his spirit like John, as we just read, in his mother's womb. Let's just assume that uh, he, in his human mind, with logic and intellect, he listened to the praise reports. He heard all the good news about this mysterious Jesus. And he hears some people say, he's just the son of Joseph the carpenter. He hears others say, he's a devil who uses the devil's powers to free people from devils. But he also hears people cheering and laughing and excited and in awe as Jesus is passing through this moment in his life. Bartimaeus, in his natural blindness, uh, takes the reports of Jesus' miracles and decides that this devil carpenter is more than some people realize. What is ironic about his story is that his natural eyes were closed. Meanwhile, the religious had their eyes open to witness the miracles. Bartimaeus never saw Jesus do anything. Bartimaeus never saw Jesus prove himself. Something greater than his senses. Something within him, uh, and, and we could just sum it up with one word, faith, because Jesus rewards his faith, all right? Jesus says to him, your faith has healed you. Faith in God is greater than your senses, greater than your natural perceptions. Okay, he was a natural man, and he was maybe perceiving in his mind, but he had to choose to believe uh, one group of people over another, because he may have heard it all, right? There were many things said of Jesus, and there was lots of controversy, but something in his spirit, something in his spirit cried out, Son of David! which was a direct reference to the awaited Messiah. And by looking with spiritual eyes and not natural eyes, he received his miracle. And just another note to consider, uh, before receiving his miracle, the crowds, they tried to quiet him. Uh, many things around you will try to steal away what God has for you. But I'm going to encourage you, cry out to Jesus. Cry out to the invisible Jesus, even though the world around you will tell you to be quiet 
And, and, and when you finally, your eyes and your spirit man are open, you know it's Christ. Even as a Christian, many times we go through uh, more awakenings where, where we already believe in Christ. We already know we're settled in him in heaven forever. But our eyes are open to something that we once thought was okay and now we realize is not okay and that and and that the this uh this picture uh is suddenly seared into our minds of really what God says is the right way and we thought this was the right way and there was grace in between but now suddenly we've had a revelation as a Christian still we are already a Christian but we've had this revelation that the way I'm living is not okay in this particular area, and it suddenly changes in you, and you decide to follow Christ and believe Him that He knows best for you, and you listen to Him, and you change that area. And uh, when that happens, many times the enemy will try to just, he'll try to snuff it out, try to tell you to be quiet, and, and maybe right now you are being challenged because the world is is coming up at all these theories and they're pointing in every direction and and uh, even protesting right now but something in your spirit just says I need to trust Jesus and they're like just be quiet just be quiet just be quiet it's not God God's not going to help you God's not going to save you it's nothing to do with God and you need to know right now that uh that that you cannot let anything you need to know this Keep crying out to Jesus because he'll hear you. He hears you. If you're out there, this may not be for everybody. You may already have a relationship with Christ. But if you are out there and you are wondering, is Jesus going to hear you? Just keep crying out to him. Don't listen to anything else. You just listen to him calling you because he's right there and he's calling you. And it's the, the, the world is going to try to suppress you. They're going to try to tell you you're too loud, you're too passionate, you're too esoteric, you're just a little too spiritual. And listen to me out there. Once you see Jesus with your spiritual eyes and realize that he's your hope, just keep crying out to him until you receive what God can and will do to help and save you. What am I getting at? What I'm getting at is that God is supernatural, and that God works in the unseen. God did an unseen miracle here. Supernaturally, his eyes, he was naturally blind, but supernaturally, he could already see. When it, the, uh, the natural eyes began to see in the natural world, really, that was just a bonus. The real sight, he already had it. Did you hear that? He already had the sight that mattered, faith, because he believed that this Jesus was who he said he was, that this Jesus was the prophesied Messiah, and then he could do something in his life. I want to take us a little bit deeper here, and I mentioned this quickly last week. I want to go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Hopefully you're getting something out of this. And um, just follow with me if you can and open your Bible if you'd like in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 3. Uh, if you can, as far as if you have your Bible there, if not, just listen uh, along. And uh, Hebrews 11, verse 3 
out of the NLT says, by faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. Now, this is significant. And this is where I've been trying to go for these these minutes leading up to this. It says that what we now see, I want you to picture this, what you now see did not come from anything that can be seen. Some things about God are so basic and so simple and yet are so misunderstood and even so complicated. I really don't want to complicate this sermon. I'm going to go into some deep things here just briefly, but it's a very simple, simple concept. So don't uh, misunderstand me uh, as I move forward here uh, trying to make this complicated because it's not. And yet, it is to our human mind. And I could go into the verses. Paul talks about that in Corinthians. Talks about how he has to talk simply to the simple-minded. He can talk spiritual to the spiritual. And uh, and, and basically, uh, the world thinks they have wisdom. And they try to talk over you. And they try to talk with these big words. And they get on TV and they look at you like you're so foolish. But the Bible says that God looks at all their wisdom as real foolishness. And we as Christians that look so foolish have real wisdom. And we're not prideful about it. We don't go around telling people how much we know and how we're better than them and how our wisdom is so much greater than the world's foolishness. If you're listening to this, and you are not a Christian yet, I'm not putting you down. I'm simply telling you, uh, as the Word tells us, that the wisdom of this world is not really wisdom, but it's foolish. And the wisdom that we have, we can't have any pride in it because it's not my wisdom. It comes from God. It's a God-given, and you, unbeliever, if that's who you are out there, can have that same wisdom by knowing God. And so, just very simply, it says that the worlds in the New King James were framed by the Word of God. I want you to picture this. God on His throne, outside of time, even though your human mind can't really understand that, outside of space, outside of of the dimensions that we understand, that the senses, God is outside of your senses and he's outside of your dimensions. He's outside of your understanding. Uh, He is uh, even greater than this universe, which 
the more we look at with science just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And yet God had it all in his mind. And it all works together. And the even how the planets block uh, things coming our way, uh, asteroids and, or, and meteors and how the sun and the moon and the earth all work together to keep things in perfect harmony. How we just float. We just float. We don't fall in space, out of space. We just sit there. What is holding us there? What holds the earth just sitting there? And so God, outside of everything that we can see and understand, Okay, outside of what the religious understood of this carpenter's son, Jesus. They, the, that blind Bartimaeus looked past this natural. He looked past what he could understand, past what he could see, and he did what the Psalms say, taste and see that the Lord is good. He saw with spiritual eyes that Jesus was who he was waiting for and that Jesus had his miracle. I want you to understand something today. God, by his word, created the earth. It says that he made, in the New King James 11, verse 3, book of Hebrews, he made the things which are seen of things, it says, the things that are, which are seen were not made of things which are visible. God took invisible substance and turned it into visible. It's so simple, just simply. He took invisible and made it visible. He took invisible and made it visible. In his mind, the earth was already sitting there. And it says that he spoke it out. The word was spoken, and it was. Yet that is so hard for our human mind to get. It is so hard for us to trust God. It's so hard for us just to completely abandon and just trust God. It is so hard for us to think that God has our best interest in mind. It is so hard for us, now this is going to hurt, to give a portion of our money to God in a tithe or in an offering. It's so hard for us to do that and to let go. It's so hard for us to believe that God is able to do something supernatural. Now, we read our word. We believe to an extent that Jesus is uh, our replacement on the cross and that he redeemed us. And so there's many levels that we can get to uh, as Christians that we can all agree on. But then it's so hard for us really to fully submit and to fully believe him. And you may say, no, that's not true. I really do. But I didn't even uh, mean when I was writing this sermon to go this route. But when you withhold 
your tithes and offerings from God, what you are telling him is, I don't trust you. That's huge. You are telling God, I don't trust you. Because I can't believe that you're going to take this portion of what I have and that I'm going to give it into your kingdom and you're going to multiply it. I can't believe that. And for whatever reasons, you have your reasons. I'm not even going to go. I'm not even going to go there. That's between you and the Lord what those reasons are. But you have summed up. You just can't release it because really you may not think so, but you don't trust God. You don't believe that God is able to multiply it into way more than you could ever need. You have hold on to it because you say it's mine because you're in the natural. In the same way, when we are in fear, we are telling God, I don't trust you. When we worry in this world, we're telling God, I don't trust you. When we say we're Christians, but we don't do what the Word of God tells us to do, when we sin and think, well, grace covers me, I can get away with it, what we're telling God is that I don't really care what your Word says. I don't really even want to know what your Word says, because if I really read the Word and really understood what grace was, I wouldn't dare sin willingly with a crutch of grace covering me. And so what I'm getting at is that Jesus is in the unseen before time, and he, he, the word is spoken, and he creates this earth. He creates this seen thing out of the unseen, and yet we today forget, because we live in the scene, that that's who God is. So we reason and we uh, make decisions based on what we can see now and understand now and what we can touch tangibly and what we can understand now. Even as Christians, we trust God based on our understanding of his word instead of saying, I don't understand it. I don't even know what you're trying to do here, God, but I just trust you anyway. We trust him to the level that we understand him. And really, you ha I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not trying to be deep. I'm not trying to, to carry on. I'm not trying to drag this on. But really, you will never understand it. Because your human mind will never, ever compute that God took something that did not exist before and made it. Your mind, you can try to go down that road. As, you can try and dig deep within your soul to try to imagine nothing into something but your mind. Go ahead. Just try it. If you need to pause this podcast for a moment, I want you to do something, an exercise. And, and this is it. Try to imagine making a painting with brand new colors. What your mind will do is it will take colors that exist to try to create 
new colors. Your mind cannot imagine something that does not exist right now. And this is such an, an inhibiting thing within humans, and it carries over. We, get, we become Christians, we get saved, but a lot of the synapses, these, these uh, firing mechanisms in your brain that are constantly uh, reasoning and deciding and trying to figure stuff out, even though you believe in Christ, uh, it's like the man who said, I believe, but help my unbelief. Because we believe, but your mind really can't understand God. So we, we trust God to a certain extent, but then suddenly, and this is why we get into worries, we get into fears, we get into sin, we withhold our tithes and offerings from Him. We, we, when we hit that place as Christians, and all of us hit that place, if you don't think you ever hit that place, then you're not even saved yet. It's time to repent and become a Christian. All of us come to that place from time to time and thank God for His grace and mercy, and then we can repent and just give Him our lives again, afresh and anew. And I encourage you to do that today if that's where you're at. But when we hit those places, those stumbling blocks, like the religious did, because they can't taste and see with their spirit, they're, they're trying to do it in their natural human mind. They were even using the scriptures to come against Christ because they looked at them naturally. They looked at them with human eyes. And we must understand that God is outside of the natural. And here's where I want to show you. Here's just what I want, to, want us to, to get us to today. If that is true, what can't God do? If you just get one thing today, I want you to understand this. Is there any limit to God? Can God be limited? Stop limiting God. Now, don't cut me off. If you've heard that phrase in your Christianity and that meant one thing, I just want, don't, I have no preconceived ideas. I'm not coming from a particular religious group or denomination when I say that. I'm just saying a very simple statement. Stop limiting God. Stop looking at God and thinking of Him as God uh, in this earth, God just over this earth. You have to understand that He was God before the earth. He is God before the universe, and He will be God after this, and that He made everything we see from nothing. He is God he is so big. He is God outside of the tangible, of the understanding that what we have and see came from nothing. That means that God is still able to take your nothingness, your brokenness, your hurts, uh, your pains. Okay, He is able to take those things, your worries, your fears, your sin, your struggle, to believe he is able, God is able, and we must look at him like this to create a brand new heart in you. He is able to give you a brand new life. And that's really what happens. They were, they were so confused. Jesus, 
What does this mean to be born again? How can a man go back inside his mother's womb? But Jesus was talking about being a new creature, a new creation in Christ that was not uh, you going through your mother's womb and being born again as a, a human again, but that you were no longer human, but now you were spirit. You are now a spirit who's still in a body for a time, and I believe that that's mostly so that you can be the light and the salt on this earth and continue to spread the gospel that was spread to you. But ultimately, your body and that, that mouthpiece that's here to glorify God and to show the world who Jesus is will one day die, and your spirit will be united with Christ forever. And there will be no more declaring who Christ is to the world. The world will not exist. It will just be declaring God's glory from spirit to spirit. Your spirit to his spirit, you'll be glorifying God. We need to understand that God is so big. He is so great. God is bigger. Faith is so simple, yet so hard for us to get because we apply our faith based on what we understand, which is the opposite of faith. Faith is not understanding and still trusting God. Faith is saying, this water is, uh, is, is water, and yet walking on it towards Jesus like Peter did. Faith is seeing the natural, and yet it's irrelevant to you. Faith is that you may not have a job right now, and yet God is still able to provide for you and will provide for you. Faith is that you may have children that have wandered away, a marriage that is broken, an addiction that keeps coming around your life. You may have things that have been stolen from you. You may have inheritances that were robbed from you. You may have many things that have disrupted what you thought was normal, which is not, there is no normal on this earth. The only normal is knowing Christ. Everything else is abnormal. I'm not going to get into that. But Jesus is able today to do, to do what he did in the beginning, which is to create a brand new thing out of nothing. He can take your brokenness and he can make it something brand new and beautiful. I'm not talking refreshed and restored. God is a God of restoration. I love that word restoration because uh, we see a life that is restored, that was once one thing is another thing. But that's only on this earth. Restoration really is the earthly picture. God does restoration in the earthly. In the spirit, really, though, it's not really restored. It's brand new. It's a brand new thing, but it, it's restored in the sense that there is a new spirit in an old body, just like uh, we are in Christ, a new creation, a new creature, but still in the same body. When people look at you, they still see the body that you've had all along, but now your spirit is new. God is able to 
just as he renewed your spirit, is able to do unbelievable. And that word's on purpose. Let's think of it as not unbelievable, like amazing and big, but I mean, unbelievable, like not believable. He's able to do beyond, bigger, greater, uh, unbelievable things uh, that, that, that he can just make nothingness come to something. I want you to understand that. In fact, the psalm says in, in chapter 33, it says uh, in verse 6, the Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. He breathed the word and all the stars were born. He assigned the sea its boundaries and locked the oceans in vast reservoirs. Let the whole world fear the Lord and let everyone stand in awe of him. For when he spoke, the world began and it appeared at his command. It's just un unbelievable. It's amazing. God is so amazing. God is so incredible. He is so big and he is able to do things out of the impossible because that's who he is. God is not a God just of possible because possible is this earthly realm. That's the sense realm. It's not possible for a blind man to see. But the real impossibility was that his spirit already saw Jesus. That's the real impossibility, that there's a spirit, this unseen thing within him that is pulled and lured to this unseen voice, the voice of God. That's unbelievable. When we get this, when we understand the bigness of God in this, that he is the God who takes nothing and makes it something, we will truly eat of it, will truly understand what he's saying. And that's where it becomes this spiritual thing. The spiritual life is the real life. And I'm going to get more into that next week. Just uh, stay tuned for that. I've got some things I want to get into. The spirit world is real. And I don't want you to get obsessed with weirdness, um, but it's not weird. We've turned it into weirdness. We've turned talking about spiritual things into fringe and into weirdness. But that's the most normal part of Christianity is the spiritual. You are not going to change. You are not going to suddenly become a good person, become a good Christian because you try really hard. What you don't realize is, and you're trying, is that the Holy Spirit is actually working a miracle deep within your spirit man, uh, intertwined with that soul and mind within you, and it's changing. And we can go into the verses. I just don't have time because we're running out of time here. But he changes your will when you submit. When you give your will to him, he changes that will to his will. It's unbelievable. And that's happening in the spirit world. That's the real you. The real you is the spirit you. It's not the flesh you. Blind Bartimaeus received sight, and that's amazing because it was a miracle, and he, it's what he needed in this earth. And there's many things I need in this earth that I won't need in heaven, and I'm still asking God for those things today. And I'm thankful he gives us many of those things we ask for. 
But really, the thing that I most need, he already gave me, which is salvation. If God starved me to death, and he won't, but if he did, I've lost nothing because my spirit is already satisfied. It's filled with food and with water that your, your mind and the world will never understand that you have. God is so big. I just want to read one last thing to you, and, and we'll get into some uh, deeper things uh, next week. And I don't want to get deeper to uh, make this uh, theological, although that's not really a bad thing because theological is Theo being God is understanding God. Okay, so it's not a bad thing to go that route, but I don't want, I'm not getting heady. I don't want to try to get complicated, get scientific. I'm just trying to show us, and, and I will next week, that there is an unseen world and that's where god lives it's also where the devil lives and those god is working and the devil is working and they're working in the unseen trying devil's trying to influence you he's trying to influence this world don't think that he's not working in the unseen we'll get into that but god was before all of that god is greater god made it so let's just leave it at that because I want to just read this last thing here. I want to encourage you that, uh, that God has so much for you. I want you to hear that. God has so much for you. And it says in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 13, uh, it's this amazing story. It says um, uh, that they went to go find out where uh, Elisha was. And because Elisha kept telling uh, the king of Israel, uh, he kept telling him what this foreign nation, uh, the Arameans, were doing behind the scenes to try to uh, bring war and, and, and against Israel. And he kept showing it. So there was this unseen thing happening already. So uh, finally they find out that it was Elisha and it says that one night the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horsemen. This is Second Kings chapter 6, verse 14. He sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. And when the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops and horses and chariots everywhere. He said, oh, sir. What will we do now? Now, that's very timely, isn't it? Maybe you're saying the same thing because you see something in the natural. Maybe you have woken up and, and you've seen some things on the news or even maybe even in your own family. We're praying for those that are sick in the hospitals, those even sick in their home, those that are even uh, working uh, on the front lines with this thing. but. Uh, maybe you are looking and saying, what are we going to do now? How am I going to pay this bill now? I still don't have a job. But it says the young man cried this out to Elisha. But Elisha, in verse 16, he said, don't be afraid. Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. If I could put in some biblical license here he was saying 
the God who made the world out of nothing is the same God who is our God today. The God over the earth and over the universe who thought it up in his mind and spoke it into existence is still alive. And what you can see in the natural is short-sighted. It's short-sighted. I need you to look deeper. So it says in verse 17 that Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And if I could add some license in there, let him see beyond this natural. Let him see. And Lord, I'm praying right now. This is me praying for you listening. I'm praying for us. I'm praying for myself. Lord, I pray that we would see you beyond this crisis. I pray that we would look to you and see that you are the God who is after this crisis, that you are the God who will be there in the time of restoration and the rebuilding. You're the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Thank you, Lord. I pray, just as Elisha prayed, that our eyes would be open. And it says in verse 17 that the Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. What an amazing story. What an amazing picture. Now that was there all along. What you have to understand is that was there already. He didn't pray, and then the Lord sent it. Sometimes you're waiting, you're crying out, you're wondering where God is, what's God doing, how's he going to get you through it? He's already working. He already has the answer. It's already there. You just can't see it yet. How amazing. How big is God? How great is our God? He is so mighty. And that's, if I can leave you with one thing, that's what I want to leave you with. He is a mighty God. He is a great powerful God who is able to take any situation and turn it into good. Isn't that amazing? I bless you and I pray for you. Uh, I've been praying, Dawn and I have been praying for you, and we hope that you are getting through this time, not just with survival, but with peace and with really a new outlook on life and enjoying your time with your family and with the Lord. And uh, we're going to see you real soon. Bless you.